0: this is the week to get your tickets to the Wellness Summit. Why is that MP? Because Bretto, one lucky person who registers before this Sunday, July 28, will win the ultimate wellness experience. Imagine two nights in the wellness real estate epicenter of Australia, Lucent Gasworks in Brisbane. The lucky winner receives return airfares to Brisbane on Virgin Australia. Plus, we'll organise you an Uber from Brisbane Airport to Lucent and back again. And we'll throw in 200 bucks in dining vouchers. And you can get all access, all areas past the Total Fusion, one of the best fitness studios in the country and the home of the largest Himalayan salt lamp in the Southern Hemisphere. Oh, positive ions going everywhere, Bredo. This incredible prize valued at over $2,000. Jeepers. All you need to do is register for the Wellness Summit by this Sunday, July 28. You're registering for 16 hours of powerhouse wellness over two days, August 17 and 18 in Melbourne, featuring your favourite Wellness Couch podcasters and world-class exhibitors. Can you afford to miss the biggest Wellness Summit ever? Tickets at thewellnesssummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach, Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, Thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love, to our communities, Making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primal Lister license is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen
1: Marshall. Hello, my beautiful Primal Alternative podcast listener. I'm H, your host and Primal Health Coach. And founder of the Grain-Free Food Range Primal Alternative, we have an international network of home bakers that bake the grain-free breads, cookies, pastries, what have I forgotten, pizza bases and jellies. They bake them from their home kitchen, council approved, of course, for you. So you can get some help and relieve a bit of that overwhelm that goes when you have a squeaky clean living lifestyle, right? Um, so our range is amazing and it's so exciting because um, we have teamed up with the gorgeous Pete Evans to bring you our nut, nut hemp bread. And Pete graciously done it, his royalties to Hope for Health. So I thought, let's get Karma Trudgeon, who is the founder of Hope for Health, and Helen Patterin, who donates her amazing naturopathic skills to Hope for Health. Let's get them on the show and find out what is Hope for Health, what is a together retreat, and let's really hear from some experts who are there on the ground about the realities for remote Indigenous communities and their health. And the current health crisis of lifestyle diseases that didn't used to be there not that long ago um we're going to learn about the value of traditional diets and the value the value of traditional knowledge and how we need each other you know the indigenous people they have got beautiful cultures they um, really come together they're spending time in nature um, and we've got the knowledge around the food you know like actually, as it turns out, that Coca-Cola, that white flour, that white sugar, it's not the best for your health. And if you were to return to the earth and the knowledge of the elders, you would be having a much more vital and healthy life and would not be dying of these god-awful chronic diseases. So Helen Padarin, you probably know her. She's written um, a book with Pete Evans on gut health. It's so good. She's a naturopath and nutritionist, best-selling author and speaker. She's been in clinical practice for 18 years and is an ambassador for the Mind Foundation, and co-authored the Complete Good Health Cookbook with good old Pete, as well as Bubba Yum Yum with Charlotte Carr and Pete Evans. And she's also authored chapters on pediatrics and ASD in clinical textbooks. She is so passionate about learning from Indigenous communities and also wanting to give back. And you're going to listen to the story of how Helen knew she wanted to help Indigenous communities, but didn't know how. And that's a beautiful story. Um, And she partnered with Karma of Hope for Health to create Together Retreat. And Together Retreat is an immersive cross-cultural journey that provides a unique and powerful opportunity to pay it forward while learning and healing on a journey hand in hand with indigenous brothers and sisters. Karma is a medical doctor who stepped sideways from clinical practice to be immersed in the world of community development. She spent eight years living on Elko Island in northeast Arnhem Land in a remote community. In the process of overcoming heartbreaking fertility issues, she discovered the power of nutrition. And now has two beautiful, healthy sons. Hurrah! And she shared her family's healing foods with a sick indigenous friend. And that started a chain reaction in the community that birthed the Hope for Health program. How cool is that? And the program uses experiential education and for the framework of the traditional diet to help empower people to reclaim their vitality. Karma is passionate about the power and reverence, relevance of the, or reverence too, of the wisdom held in traditional cultures and bridging the gap between. Um, the non-dominant and the dominant culture. You're going to love this show. And if you want to get your hands on some of our non up hemp bread or want to check out the rest of our Primal Alternative range of breads, cookies, pizza bases, jellies, and pastries, we team up with the gorgeous Quirky Cooking. Joe is very involved with Hope for Health as well. Then head to primalalternative.com. Um, If you buy a loaf of the no-nut hemp bread on the Primal Alternative shop, Primal Alternative donates an extra dollar to Hope for Health, which is really cool. Uh, It's a really cool way to be involved. Um, What else was I going to tell you? Yes, uh, if you want to donate yourself or find out more about Hope for Health and the Together retreat, head to hopeforhealth.com.au. All right, welcome to the show, Helen Patterin and Karma Trudgen. Hello,
2: thank you, thanks for having us.
1: Did I say it right, Karma? Did I get it right?
2: (laughs) That's
3: possible, we can move on. I
1: was just getting a one on one on how to pronounce Karma's surname. But um, it's just (laughs) such an honour, like, seriously, can't think of anything better to do than on a Friday afternoon than hang out with you two amazing. amazing women so thank you for um being here and um and sharing your friday afternoon with me it's so cool to have you here now before we dive into everything hope for health i want to know what helen Paderin and karma trudgin had for breakfast
2: would you like to go first karma <laughs> I'm just laughing about what I had for breakfast. <laughs>
3: it was a big one. <laughs> um, I had, well, I'm actually down in Byron Bay at the moment visiting my mom. So I'm like just in heaven because there's amazing nitrate-free bacon down here. So there was a lot of bacon involved. <laughs> I had bacon, eggs, avocado, and a piece of paleo bread.
2: Excellent. Yum. Sounds pretty delicious and not mm-hmm. too similar to mine. I was at my favourite cafe, up and there in Sydney, and I had avocado tartines. So it was like avocado and pesto and tomatoes on a gluten-free sourdough with bacon and sautéed greens. Mm,
1: really oh, good. goodness me. <laughs>
2: That sounds
1: so good.
2: I had a slice of fruit
1: toast, if anyone's interested. (laughs) And a nice black coffee. It was delicious. It was awesome. So I'd love to find out absolutely everything Hope for Health. So let's just start with what and who is Hope for Health? Wow, that's that's a small question. Hey,
3: <laughs> uh, so Hope for Health is a program working with Indigenous people um, based in Northeast Arnhem Land, and I guess we're trying to tackle this catastrophic epidemic of chronic disease that's going on there and we're using the framework of the traditional diet and we're running retreats as experiential learning intensives to try and give people an experience of health which they just haven't had an opportunity to to experience before and and that lived experience really changes you and your perspective of of the power of nutrition and then we try and support people back in in the community by training up a team of local health coaches to be coming alongside people to, to make that positive lifestyle change and, yeah, be role models in their
1: families and, and in the community. What a beautiful, succinct in answer. A nutshell. <laughs> That's it, in a nutshell. Absolutely, absolutely. So give us, give us some of the realities for remote Indigenous communities and their health. Sure. I mean I
3: I'm really bad at at holding all the statistics in my head partly because it's you know it's not really necessary to engage with them in this context. The reality on the ground is is really horrific in in one sense you kind of feel like you're living in a war zone because the, the rate of death is, is just horrific. So funerals are, are a constant part of life and um, basically at any time they they try to only hold one funeral at a time in the community. So there is, is a backlog usually of about five or six funerals waiting to happen and, you know, as well as as the funerals themselves, there's constantly people being, you know, medivaced out in serious health conditions and just the, the rate of chronic disease impacts on everything you know just just the, the sense of of um of well-being is is not there there's not that strength and um yeah it's it's kind of this pervasive part of of life you're constantly faced with death you're constantly faced with with grief and um Yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really horrific reality and unfortunately one that is, is likely to get a lot worse before it gets better and I guess it's, it's so um, heart-wrenching because, it, you know, it really matters. Young people really matter and what they have to, to bring to, to the world is, is so incredible and it's, it's horrific watching this happening before our eyes, particularly when it's largely preventable chronic
1: diseases that are um, affecting people in this way. So let's dive into a little bit more around the, the sort of chronic illness that the um, Indigenous people are facing. What sort of things are, we, uh, are, are they mainly uh, dealing with? So,
3: you know, it's largely the metabolic chronic diseases, so really, really high rates of diabetes, ischemic heart disease, and a lot of kidney disease, largely as a result of the diabetes and, I mean, a lot of um, acute issues that follow on from those and um, a lot of, you know, infections, respiratory conditions, a lot of effects of smoking as well. So, you know, all of the, the chronic lung conditions as a result of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And increasingly cancer is becoming a bigger and bigger issue as well.
1: So this is relatively, um, this is a relatively new health crisis um, of horrible proportions but in terms of lifestyle lifestyle diseases it's it's relatively new isn't it let's say what would you say like within a couple of generations
3: Oh, absolutely. So, in Arnhem Land, particularly, we're dealing with a still relatively recent contact history with dominant culture people. So, you know, we're still um, we still have people alive who, as children, you know, ha- lived a completely traditional lifestyle. But we're certainly running out of those people, and and that's you know a, a real tragedy. And the knowledge that they hold is is just phenomenal. So, yeah, it's definitely recent contact history and still, you know, that, that process of these modern displacing foods coming in was a gradual process. So initially they kind of just supplemented the traditional diet and, you know, and in, in, in one sense that um, people noticed that their kids were getting stronger and growing faster because they were getting more food because mm-hmm. they still had all their traditional foods going on and then these other foods were supplementing that but then the balance tipped and you know a number of things kind of spiraled out of control at the same time there with welfare being bought in and and a lot of um different policies that were really catastrophic in terms of people's control and you know definitely people were never looking at food as being a suspect for anything that was going wrong in their communities like traditionally food is is a good thing and you you know you got to enjoy the abundance that nature provided um you know in season and it it wasn't something you needed to be um you know guarding yourself of and you know You know, applying great discipline or something. It it was to be enjoyed, and if it wasn't something that was good for your body, it wasn't called food. So it's kind of this really weirdly horrific idea that our society has made these these foods that we know are are poisoning our bodies, and we ship them around to these communities and sell them to make money to people. And that and that is just a really new concept to people, which is pretty
2: horrific.
1: And I find this this. Um, this part really fascinating, because I know um, before the interview you were, you were explaining to me that there 's a lot of assumed knowledge you know how it 's very difficult for non indigenous um, or the dominant culture as you call it to understand that indigenous communities might not realize that this food, as you say they 've always trusted and Never had a reason to doubt the, the food that's been in their, um, in their natural environment. But, the, but now that this stuff that, like you say, we're shipping in um, this food slash poison and that um, it might not even be realized that the sugar and the, the soft drinks and that kind of thing could be bad for people's health. Is, is that the case?
3: absolutely and i mean it's almost skewed the other way because every single message that is being sent to to younger people is that the dominant culture is superior and advanced and you know it, it, you're not thinking that it's what's killing you you're thinking that that's the the superior stuff over there so people were actually thinking that the food in the store was better for their children than the food out in the bush. And when you look at, you know, all that goes on in terms of advertising, that just reinforces all of that because if you don't realize that those messages are, are being designed just to con you and sell stuff to you and you, you take that at face value as you're used to doing in communication, it, you know, every message is telling you this, this food is better. And the fact that it happens to be, you know, pretty addictive, kind of just reinforces that spiral in that direction so it's it's really hard for people to grasp that you know there are mothers in that community serving bottles with coca-cola to their babies but that mum genuinely does not believe that that is bad for their baby. They genuinely think they're doing the right thing and that this dominant culture food is, is good. So it's, it's really horrific that people are, are really starved of, of information and they are dying
1: because of it. Wow. It's, 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 almost, it's almost too much for, for your brain to take in, isn't it, that this... That this is actually really happening in this country. Just absolutely incredible. Mm. So, Helen, can you tell us a little bit about the value of traditional diets and the value of that traditional knowledge?
2: Mm. Well, I guess um, where to begin? Western A Price, maybe. A lot of your listeners are probably um, quite aware of the work of Western A Price, who was actually a dentist. And in his travels to figure out, you know, why younger generations were presenting with more and more dental caries and, and um, dental issues like crowded drawers, uh, his research showed that actually it was the food that was making a big difference. And in areas where there was a road, basically, where modern um culture had entered that's where the dental issues started to occur um because often the first foods that are introduced into um these kinds of communities are flour you know white flour sugar um that kind of thing so Traditional diets, on the other hand, these are diets that are prized for their uh, nutritional density. The, the foods that were traditionally eaten were from the land, from the sea, depending on the, the location, obviously um, would dictate what kind of foods are available. But it was always unprocessed food in their natural states, uh, what you can hunt, what you can gather, and what you can prepare in a way that is nourishing because one of the things um, that's important to be aware of is plant foods are often quite toxic. It's not something we often think about, but uh, there's a lot of compounds in plants that can be toxic. And so preparing foods in a certain way is also important and that's where the soaking and the fermenting and the sprouting Uh, comes into play and these uh, processes of preparing food not only um, eliminate or reduce the toxic compounds in there but also increase the nutritional value and they're practices that on large, um, on mass, we don't tend to carry out much these days unless we're in a community such as yours where there is awareness of how to prepare foods properly. Now we're all about convenience and how can we um, get something done quickly and cheaply with the least amount of fuss. And so instead of taking, you know, weeks to prepare a loaf of bread, we can do it in a day. Um, so with traditional foods, um there there's a lot of seasonality involved as well so you're getting variety throughout the year depending on what's on season rather than eating the same thing year in year out month in month out all the time so that's an important part of it as well because our diets now can be really quite limited from you know we always go and get the same veggies the same meats the same cuts of meat the same um you know, baby spinach. <laughs> yeah. We don't often vary much from the, you know, five veggies that we're most familiar with and a couple of meats that we're most familiar with. Um Traditional diets have a wide variety of different proteins from different animals, from land and sea, um, and seasonally different vegetables, tubers, roots, um, fruits, things like that. And the fruits of traditional diets are typically quite tart as well, not the, not the sweet uh, fruits that we tend to eat now.
1: Thanks, Helen. That's awesome. Karma, can you explain to us a little bit about the importance of healing the gap between Indigenous and non Indigenous cultures and communities?
3: I guess it's like I, I think often people hear about what's going on for Indigenous people and they can kind of feel sorry for, for that and realise that that's a tragic thing, but it feels really distant and not really kind of relevant to everyday people. And I guess I feel so privileged that I've been able to be um, – spend so much time in that space and you know really have my mind blown and and my whole perspective on life so changed from from that privilege and i guess i just so genuinely believe that we we need each other and um that there is just so much to be gained on on both sides like i, I do often kind of scratch my head in the middle when you're looking at these two worlds and and it's just like the the things the holes in 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 each world are, are so easily um, met by by engaging with the other, and I just I just think that um, the opportunity to come together and really value the knowledge that that each of those worlds have, it, you know, is just the answer to so many problems in our society. And I just so believe in in the value of indigenous knowledge, not as something to just kind of prize and put in a museum, but as something that is real, living knowledge that. we we really need today and I guess I've, you know, I've, I've just been so lucky to be in that context, particularly raising small children in that context, and just realizing just the the depth of, of that different perspective and and just the the value of having your, your blinkers removed and having a different way of, of looking at the world. And I so want to be part of um, connecting more people to that and realizing the value of it and and that yeah, these people really matter.
1: Amazing. So Karma and Helen, you've both come into this space and um, I'd love to hear a little bit about how that started. I mean, Karma, I know that you uh, you live um, with uh, Indigenous communities and I'd just love to know how, how that happened, how long have you been doing that for? And also, Helen, I'd love you to share um, your experience of how you got so um so involved with this amazing cause
2: yeah um go for it karma you start off Sure. So um, I guess
3: I started this work about 10 years ago now. Um, My family spent eight years living on Elko Island and it was in that context that this work emerged. We initially went to make ourselves available on the ground to respond to things that local people were trying to initiate for themselves. So we wanted to kind of be human resources to break down the barriers to the things that people were trying to to do because there are just so many so many barriers and and so often it is just information that people need about how dominant culture things work in order to find ways through all the the barriers that are being put in front of people so a lot of that was kind of business development enterprise development related stuff and yeah in the in the context of that I was dealing with my own health issues having a lot of trouble getting through um pregnancies and it was in in that personal journey that I discovered the work of Weston A. Price. And that was an incredible thing to discover in that context that I was living in because, you know, I could easily test that knowledge. I could see it alive around me I could see the way that younger people treated things like fat and it was it was so mind-blowingly different to the way that that had been ingrained in me so it kind of um, was a, an amazing journey for me to really shift the way that that I was eating and you know have been blessed with two beautiful children since then and I guess I didn't expect that to spread any further than that personal journey, but it was it was amazing when when that could translate into something that could bless other people as well. And we um, we at one point had a, a sick young old friend who we shared some food with, um, and the difference that it made in her life was quite phenomenal. And it started this this chain reaction that has pretty much become. Hope for Health. So um, it it's just been an amazing journey since then that we certainly didn't um, set out to, <laughs> to create. Um, but when people get the opportunity to experience for themselves and really in their body feel that difference, um, it, it's just amazing to see what that does to people. And I guess, you know, Jungo people, are they're, they're, they're thoroughly disempowered. There is so much in their life that they, they don't control have control over, and it's very easy to be trapped in that, and um, and not see the, um, the the personal potential you have to change your circumstances. So it's amazing when you can give people an experience. You know, in in one realm in their life, in the area of health, where people are feeling completely in the dark about why they're why they're dying, why people are so sick, and they're not looking for solutions in places that they can solve. They're you know they're thinking that they're external things that they've got no control over. So to show people pathways that they have control over, that so much of your health can be determined by by you know your lifestyle. That's just an amazing thing, and the fact that we can do that in a way that is validating their traditional culture and their identity and you know not having to change who you are to be healthy but to able be able to return to to who you are and the strength in that is is just really amazing um and it's been incredible to be able to bring in phenomenal practitioners like Helen into that space because this is you know this is a crisis this is a a massive crisis and you know we as a community need to be bringing the best of healthcare and and you know a spectrum of options to people to to tackle this crisis so it's yeah it's just been an incredible privilege to have amazing practitioners like Helen offer their skills to
1: to this journey amazing amazing well
2: it's been a huge, um, it's been a huge honor and pleasure to be part of it because i guess from my perspective the story for me probably also 10 years ago at least 10 years ago anyway over time I have had this longing and just kind of knowing is the best way I can describe it. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't something that I, you know, um, was wistfully thinking about. It was like this deep sense of knowing that one day I'm going to work with Indigenous communities, but I didn't know when, I didn't know where, I didn't know who, I didn't know how because quite ashamedly I didn't know any and I didn't know anybody with any connections with any so I had no idea of how to go about it but at the same time I also had this great sense of I don't need to force it and that it will come at the right time and um Yeah, then in 2017, I got a phone call out of the blue from Karma and I was like, oh, so this is it. (laughs) So (laughs) we had a really wonderful conversation that could have gone for hours. Maybe it did go for hours. It went for quite a while. But we were evidently on the same page and shared the same uh, purpose around the work that we wanted to do. And so we kind of let that simmer for a while and a few months later spoke again and that's when we decided to partner up so that we could bring bring these worlds together, Balinda and Yolnu, you know, Indigenous and non-Indigenous, so that we can really learn and heal together because I have this really great sense of urgency. You know, as Karma mentioned before, funerals are a common place of life over on Elko Island and I'm sure in other communities as well um, where the the death rate is quite frightening and it really saddens me I feel a lot of grief around not only the loss of those lives which is devastating enough as it is but the loss of or the knowledge that is going with them as well. And I think, you know, for all the um, advancements and achievements we have made in the modern world, we're also lacking a huge amount of um, connection to each other and the earth and ancient wisdom and all this knowledge of nature that um yeah we so sorely need to be whole and complete and i just feel like you know each of with both indigenous and non-indigenous we both have things that we're missing that we need to really thrive and we each have what the other needs to thrive and so that's why it's so important for us to come together and heal together because both sides of the fence like we both need healing right So we kind of want to, yeah, I guess knock that fence down and and join in together and create this experience because Karma has this beautiful way of describing, you know, this grey zone that um, we experience where we have very little knowledge of Indigenous culture basically, very little understanding of their culture and they have... Um, a little bit more, but also very little understanding of non indigenous culture and then there 's this area in the middle where we just don 't know anything about the other person, and that 's where all this like awkwardness comes in and all this doubt and all this judgment and all this misunderstanding and it's that 's the space that we need to come in together to go right we 're all actually in this suit together how we how do we learn from one another and heal and grow um to move forward in a really healthy beautiful connected way well said so so that's why i'm doing it. that's why you're doing it because you are always meant to
1: and i just love i love that how you've explained that there's this deep knowing and this you know no idea of how it was going to work but just trusting that it would, would it come yeah. and this is the perfect opportunity, which is amazing. And, you know, really well said in terms of the awkwardness, because I think that as much as um, many of the listeners will totally be relating to this and thinking this is terrible, there's just this, like, real fear of ignorance and um, mm-hmm. saying the wrong thing and offending anyone, that we almost, like, it, we're too polite and awkward to um, yeah. to get involved and, and to, um, you know, to actually make, make a change. but. What I'd love to know is, in terms of Hope for Health, tell us a little bit about what a day-to-day experience of Hope for Health looks like on the ground. Sure.
3: So, you know, our health retreats are kind of a a central part of the program that kind of kickstart the whole process for participants, but they're definitely just the beginning. And we then have a team of young health coaches and a health coach mentor, Brock, on the ground who are coming alongside people to try and you know, really support people to break down the barriers to making lifestyle change. And I guess it's just important to get a bit of perspective that, you know, change is really hard. That's just a, a human thing that change is hard, but you'll have so many more obstacles um, coming at them in terms of the complexity of their socioeconomic situation And they also have so few resources available to them. So, you know, any dominant culture person that might want to make some changes in their lifestyle kind of has at their fingertips a myriad of resources that they could turn to, you know, physical resources in person, online, you know, and all of them in their own language, whereas Jungo just don't have those resources available to them. So I guess we're trying to come alongside people and, you know, I guess create that sort of stuff from scratch we have to create those pathways we have to work out how do we overcome these obstacles how do we make it easier for people to make good choices what are the things that are holding people back so some of the solutions that we you know have in place a lot of the a lot of the barriers can be about skills so we um our team run a lot of cooking classes because you know people are are not used to preparing food themselves and um and you know, a lot of these, you know, dominant culture foods are really foreign to people. And whilst we use the framework of the Yungal traditional diet, it's really important to us that that framework is able to cross over for people into the store. So, you know, we want people to enjoy that amazing abundance of bush foods, but we equally want them to know how to apply that same framework when they happen to be in a dominant culture shop needing to, to make choices. And a lot of these vegetables, particularly people just don't know how to prepare them, let alone how to make them taste good. So we do a lot of cooking classes and we, we try and make those something that can involve the whole family so that can be a positive experience for, you know, the broader, people, you know, family network that are surrounding people who can um, learn those skills and engage in this process so they can come alongside the people who have participated in the program we also have um, exercise classes happening to, you know, keep people moving and we have different, you know, things to try and um, make options available to people. So we have a little um, co-op shop where we um, we have a lot of different um you know just foods on offer that um that aren't otherwise available in the community so you know we have things like coconut oil and um just different different things that can try and you know fill those gaps and make life a bit easier for people to to make these changes um and i guess it's really important that we Keep a framework going that just holds space for people. That is bringing people together who are all on this journey because it's a really it's a really tough journey, and people all go off track. They all have really substantial stresses in their life, and they can become overwhelming. And the difference that is so tangible in people who participated in this program is that they know that there is a pathway where they saw no hope and direction or any any idea of how to, to engage with this problem, now there is this really tangible hope and, and a real knowing that when you have gotten off track, that there's some way to get back on track too. And it just really helps when there's a group of people holding that space for you and able to just engage with you in, in what's hard, what do you need? How can we come alongside you and, and make this, this pathway easier? So I guess where um, we're trying to be in the mud with people and we know that it's hard and we just want to be in that space and now, um, Um, find whatever ways we can to to make it easier for people
2: The, the other thing that we've got going um as well is just um and this is where i'm getting to dip my toes in more too is visiting every few months too so they've got the um health coaches on the ground over there holding the space and doing practical work and getting the food and the movement in and helping to work through the challenges, which is 99% of the picture. And then every few months um, I go over to then have consults with them so that we can also provide a bit more of an integrative approach to their healthcare rather than, than the only healthcare they have access to being the medical clinic over there. So we've got this incredible kind of group now where we can really provide some um, nice tangible support so while we've got these powerful retreats to give these experiences then when they're back at home the the support is really continuing it doesn't just stop there it keeps going as karma says it's just the beginning at the retreat
1: that's so awesome tell us about your two-month online program that's just recently started. How does that look?
3: So that's a a kind of key lead up to um, our Together Retreat, which is um, a new model that Helen and I are launching together in June. And I guess, yeah, this just feels like a really special thing to bring into the world. So it's the first time that we're making our retreats available to dominant culture participants. And I guess, you know, we've really seen in this space as we've been, offering this process to young people and, you know, various dominant culture people have have connected and shared their skills and helped out in various ways. And we just keep seeing how completely life-changing that is people to be able to be in that space together and I guess as we explored different ways to try and make these retreats available to people because they're game-changing they're really making an impact in a space that matters so much and where so little is making positive difference so we need to find ways to to be making these available and making these available frequently so we're exploring that, and we're wanting to explore how can we, how can we kind of, you know, do all of these things without, um, without just taking more from Yungu. You know, like there is so much that Yungu have to give, but they're in the midst of a crisis, and we don't really want to be coming along and just. Kind of demanding that they you know share their knowledge with dominant culture people because that 's kind of the least of their worries right now while they 're just you know struggling to survive and provide a future for their their children um, so it 's really beautiful to um, to kind of create this space where everybody can be being genuinely blessed without it costing the other side. So we, um, the dominant culture participants who are coming are paying for their own spot and they're sponsoring a Yungal participant to, to come as well. and, you know, the people that are engaging in this process are just these phenomenally generous people who, you know, they're investing in their health and they're paying it forward at the same time and it's just, yeah, it's just so heartwarming to, to see this. And so we've created this online program to, to really ensure that People are being equipped on every level to dive in that space together, so that when when there is this two weeks to share in a retreat intensive with these young and dominant culture participants, that that those dominant culture participants feel equipped to to be in that space and really be connecting and and feeling confident and and comfortable to um to be able to connect and learn and get and get the most out of that. And so we kind of have three elements that are running through the retreat and also through that preparation time you know obviously nutrition is the heart of what we're doing and a huge a huge part of that process and um, so that's that's key but we also have um, a cross-cultural training element where we're really trying to equip people with with skills, you know, as Helen referred to that grey zone. That's that's the space that we're in together, you know, in that messy space together. But we want to be equipped with with skills to to know how to understand each other and navigate that space um, well. So we have a lot of tools and preparation going on in that space, and and then we have some personal development stuff that we're bringing into that as well, because you know, cross-cultural experiences like this are, are really incredible opportunities to, to have your blinkers removed and and really see a different way of, of looking at the world. And, you know, that can be really life-changing, but we kind of need to, to know how to integrate that into our world. And, and that's where we're, we're bringing some other tools in, into that space so that, yeah, it's not just a, a two-week experience that you know was really really fun and special but that this is something really impactful that just starts a journey that's going to keep going
1: amazing amazing now hope for health was featured on uh p evans documentary the magic pill um and i know joe Witten has just uh spent some time up there at your last retreat in june how is that um the impact of such um you know um uh, I guess, big names in the uh, nutrition and wellness and real food space. How has that impacted Hope for Health? Yeah,
3: it's a massive deal. It's a massive privilege to have have these people coming alongside us and so deeply journeying with us. Like it's not token things that you know that are coming from Pete or Joe and so many others. It's people really genuinely journeying with us in this and and using whatever channels they have to help us spread the word and and engage people in in this journey. And you know, right from the start, this whole process would not have been possible without people coming alongside us on the journey. You know, the the very first retreat we did was a trip away to an established retreat and that was completely crowdfunded. And when we ran the retreat, our first retreat on Elko Island um, that was filmed in the Magic Pill, again, it was was donors that made that possible. And, you know, it, it has been individual donors that have largely kept us you know able to to keep going and delivering this work and and people contributing it you know it's not just it's not just money that they're sending off people are really connecting with this journey and it's just it's just such a privilege and so often i hear of people with such a heart to contribute to the indigenous health crisis but just no concept of how they could no knowledge of of anything positive going on out there or how they could contribute to it so it feels amazing to to have that, to have, you know, in our hands, this is a a powerful process that we know is making an impact and you can be part of it. And that feels like, yeah, just an amazing, amazing privilege. And and like I said earlier, it it feels like, you know, the gravity of this situation is really real. So it's amazing when... when people who are so passionate and skilled in this area, particularly of food as medicine, can can come alongside this. And um and I think it's something that it's a good example of how we it strengthens us all. You know, I feel like I love what the Hope for Health story was able to contribute to the magic pill because I feel like it's another way to tell the same story that is is kind of just giving people a different perspective that this way of eating is not some new invention it's something that has existed for millennium and and really nourished traditional people for for such a long time and that you know we need to stop thinking of the five food groups as something that it was ingrained in nature that's the thing that was invented just the other day and mm. you know that we need to, to realise that, that people people survived for a long time before there was those five food groups and they actually had their own food groups that look really different to that and, and they're actually worth hearing about and um, getting that different perspective. So I love being able to contribute to that story and, and give some... Um, some real foundation to that. And at the same time, it's just such an incredible blessing to us to, to have people here and able to engage in, in the journey that we're on. And so, yeah, it feels like a a beautiful thing that strengthens us
1: all. So Helen, if we're listening to this, it's really resonating and we're like where you were back in the day when you just really know that you want to work with the um, Indigenous community and you're just thinking, oh, my goodness, I so want to get involved with Hope for Health. How can we get involved?
2: That's a good question and possibly a good one for Karma as well because (laughs) I I was um, either lucky or destined or I don't know what it was, but it seems like it was written in the stars I think, you know, we're all on our own paths and we can all contribute in different ways and, and different ways are going to suit perfectly for different people. So obviously um, financial donations are very much needed and appreciated because nothing um, much can happen if we don't have the funds to make it happen. So even though that doesn't sound like a... Particularly connected way to contribute, it actually makes a huge and fundamental difference to um, what can actually happen. So that's one way. Um, on our retreats, of course, we are totally supported by having volunteer staff and practitioners. Um, we do tend to get quite inundated with offers of volunteers on on those fronts and. That is hugely appreciated as well um, but at the same time we can only ever have, you know, so many people volunteering at once but we certainly love to have a backlog and, and a list of people whom we can contact for that. So whether it's GPs, like we definitely want more GPs on that list actually. So <laughs> uh, any GPs out there who are interested, please get in touch. <laughs> um yeah g p s naturopaths, osteopaths, massage therapists certainly um uh, who we need on our teams on the retreat um at different times um, yeah, and volunteer staff that actually are on the ground making the retreat happen too, whether it's in the kitchen or on the ground so there's there's a number of ways karma, any others that you can think of <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean that, that's kind of at the heart of things, and I guess you know we're really we're really wanting to build a movement here. Like the demand is is massive, and uh, the demand is coming from from multiple communities who are you know hearing about this work and know that it's what their community needs. And we really want to be able to set up a permanent base and and be able to make this this work available really regularly and be seeded into communities all over the place. And and so yeah yeah we are gonna need a growing army of volunteers to to sift through that, and we need resources, so it's just yeah it's phenomenal when people dive in and and give what they can. Um, financially or in person because, yeah, that's what's been building this right from the start and, and we want to continue in that way. And I guess, um, yeah, our Together Retreat offers another avenue for people to really dive into this and, you know, into their own health journey as, as well as a deep, deep learning experience. Um, so that's another thing to consider for, for people to, to connect with.
2: resources and products and also awareness as well just Mm. getting the word out there um like you are doing for us right now which we appreciate greatly but um getting the word out in any way shape or form um whether it's talking about it or um helping with marketing or you know there's so many different ways that people can get involved with different skill sets so yeah Getting so touch
1: excited! You're interested. So <laughs> exciting! <laughs> yes, it's um, hopeforhealth.com.au is is the page for everything, isn't it? From making a donation to um, finding out more information about Hope for Health and the Together Retreat.
2: Yeah, the Together Retreat website is uh, togetherretreats.com.au, um, and all the information about that retreat is there. And then all the other Hope for Health information is on that hopeforhealth.com.au website. Awesome. And I'm so
1: pleased to be contributing in a small way to Hope for Health by having your logo on every single loaf and packet mix, which is new, of our mm. non hemp bread that we are um, making in collaboration with the fabulous Pete Evans. And he mm. contributes Hello. 100% of his royalties. Um, from having his gorgeous face on our loaf of bread. <laughs> he contributes uh-huh. 100% of his royalties to Hope for Health and for every loaf or packet mix that's sold through the Primal Alternative online shop, Primal Alternative will also contribute a dollar as well. So that's That all. is
2: just incredible. Thank you so, so cool. much for that, Helen. Oh, and Pete's so funny, he's honor. just, he's got such a generous heart as well and there was no discussion about it there was just an email saying hey guys this is happening we're like oh okay yeah we yeah. <laughs> love you <laughs> yes
1: we love you yeah,
2: yeah he, he just better. said i'll just
1: i'll donate my royalties to help for health if that helps <laughs> and i was like oh okay yeah. that's great yeah. so, yeah, so, so thank amazing
2: gosh. yes and it's- it's that
3: spirit that is, is building this, you know, people that are realising that it matters and, are, you know, offering their pathways. It's just so beautiful.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Incredible. Well, thank you so much for the work that you're doing, Karma and Helen, amazing, inspirational women. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you've created this. I feel it's like a vehicle for us to, um, to come together and to put our – um, a compassion and desire to connect together, like because it really, it really is, isn't it? Like you say, it's, it's hope, it's direction, it's togetherness, and that's what mm-hmm. we are as a species all about. And so, very mm-hmm. grateful for you and your contribution. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Thanks for being here today. And um, yeah, hopefully, we will connect again soon. And yeah, thank yeah. you so much.
2: Absolutely, our pleasure. Thank you, Helen.
0: The 2019 Wellness Summit is almost here.
2: I love being at these events. They're always such a great, positive environment. And it's been really great to
1: um, listen to like-minded people and to um, meet a few people, actually. I've been to
0: every summit and I've been to every one and I'll always keep coming. It's always inspiring. It's been real eye-opener. We're actually signed up to go to the breakthrough now. It's very motivating. I think it's great to listen to people who are inspired.
1: And there's always something to learn and something to take away. I think uh, for myself and giving myself that um, opportunity
2: to, to learn. There's so much going on in life and everything that you can get distracted and forget the things that you should be doing and this always reminds you to get back on track and, and um, to focus on the things that are important A holistic health.
0: Just do it, yeah, just yeah, suck it up and do it. It's, uh, it could be life changing, yeah.
2: I would say it's awesome and it's the start of changing your life. Come along, see what it's about and
1: enjoy it. It It's an amazing event with like-minded, positive people
3: and you can't help but um, walk away feeling great.
0: Positive Mentor presents the 2019 Wellness Summit, August 17 and 18 in Melbourne. Can you afford to miss out? Tickets at thewellnesssummit.com.